1: Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together.
2: Hey girl.
1: Hey girl. Hi, Alex. It's so nice to talk to you. So nice to talk to you as well. I am really excited. To chat. We've been trying to make this happen for a while, so it feels really aligned. Before we get started, please let the Hey Girl
2: listeners know who you are and what you do. Uh, my name is Alessandro Lano. I feel like I'm many things, but mostly I draw my feelings. I'm a illustrator, uh, also an author. I'm a trained doula and practicing for end of life. And I have a new venture, AOK, which is currently a body oil, but going to be all kinds of different things to help you shift how you feel. I
1: draw my feelings. That's amazing. I love hearing that. And your work has been really transformative for me. I love your work. I love experiencing your feelings on the page. And I'm curious to know what brought you to drawing your feelings and art and illustration and where does healing happen for you in that practice?
2: Well, to start, I've always been creative. I've always, if you flip through old pictures, when I was a kid, you'll always see crayons nearby or me doing some sort of painting. And my parents always encouraged that, although they aren't traditionally creative, they always were extremely supportive of me drawing and being creative. However, it wasn't until... A little later in life, that I started connecting the drawing to my emotions. As supportive as my parents were, they also wanted me to make a living. And when I graduated from university, I went into a creative field, but a commercial field. So I was a graphic designer and an art director. And working as a commercial artist is great, but you tend to be implementing other people's ideas, you're working with clients. And I think as I continued working in the graphic arts and in advertising, there was a part of me personally that was feeling suppressed because I wasn't expressing my own ideas. And that's when I shifted into becoming an illustrator and working for clients as an illustrator. And yes, there was a lot of the similar thing going on. There was more freedom because I was using my style, but that was a new experience for me. And then with time, it wasn't enough for me to just use the style I wanted to start expressing myself. And that showed up, that showed up when my uh, marriage fell apart, to be honest. It was uh, something I I didn't see coming. And I, after we separated, and I had a one and a half year old, I felt really derailed and had always been a person that didn't know what was gonna happen, but sort of felt like things came together and were going the way they were supposed to. And this didn't feel like it was something that was supposed to happen. And I would say I went into a bit of a shock and the way that I coped with that, it, historically, I might cope with that with alcohol. I might cope with that with curling up in a ball in bed. I might cope with that with all kinds of different things. But this time, I, I decided to really take more of a look of what was happening, and I started drawing. And there was a real cathartic feeling with the drawing. And more than that, I started posting it. I, used, I started, this is back. I would say about six years ago, I started posting my feelings and sharing them and putting them out there. And for some reason for me, uh, although Instagram definitely has a rep for, you you know, you don't see the full picture of someone's life. For me, it was a place where I could put my feelings out there and let them be true. And what surprised me was, you know, I I didn't have followers. It wasn't about following and this and that. It was just more about putting it out there. And so many people started reaching out saying, Hey, I feel like that. Or wow. Yeah, that's authentic. Or I just connected with people and hearing that other people were feeling how I was feeling was incredibly helpful and incredibly healing for me. And you know, things sorted themselves out the way it was meant to be sorted out in terms of my daughter's dad and how we parent. We're great co-parenters, I think, and um, we have a really, I think, healthy relationship. And she's a really happy kid, and we both have thrived, which I never would have seen coming. That state and creating this habit of expressing and looking at how I feel was incredible. When what became even more difficult experiences showed up for me and that would be you know loss when I lost my mother that was when I really needed the outlet of a place to observe what was going on so that was a really long answer (laughs) I love it (laughs)
1: but that's what happened Yes, that, listen, sometimes the answers are long, okay? And that is fine. And so many things came up for me while you were talking. I want to talk about grief and loss here in a second. But something that really kind of struck a chord with me is that I heard you say that through your practice, your art practice, hmm. you chose yourself. You chose to show up on the page. You chose to be honest. You chose to feel your feelings, hold your feelings, hold yourself. And I'm curious to know what that taught you about being with loss, specifically the loss of your mother and how it helped you manage caring for yourself when things felt like the world was ending.
2: When you get to know yourself you can understand your reactions a little bit better, and you can understand the undulant nature of your emotions. That there will be valleys, deep, deep valleys, but there will also be peaks. And yeah, losing my mom to this day is difficult, and it was very dark when she was, you know, terminal, and and in her final days, it was very hard for me to manage because. There were so many layers to the grief. There was so much guilt. There was so much anger. There was wanting to resolve issues her and I had, but not having the time, wanting her to understand how I felt. But because I've now, as you said, showed up to who I am and known myself, I was okay with myself going through the process rather than judging myself for having all of these. Different emotions and different feelings. You know, one day I would wake up and feel sad. One day I would wake up and feel regret, all different kinds of things. But I, rather than run away, which is what I used to do, or try to mute it, I just try to observe. You said something about wanting to fix
1: things and speak about things and, and not having the time to do that. And I'm curious, how did you make peace with not having any more time?
2: I mean, I'm still in that process. So I just delivered my next book, which is on the loss of my mother. That definitely was impactful, putting it out there. Again, very similar to how I started drawing my feelings and putting it on Instagram. Creating this book is a tribute to my mom and a tribute to our relationship and the way that I processed it and how others may process it was a great step for me.
1: I um, heard you say earlier that you're a end of life doula and I need to know more about that. And what brought you to that work?
2: Okay, well, it, I have to say, I, more, I really feel like it is something that I think everyone should experience. But I found it because, well, to start, I teach yoga. I, I don't practice as a teacher anymore, but I'm trained as a yoga teacher. And I did my training at a studio called Prima Yoga, and the owner is a very dear friend of mine named Amanda Harding. And she was the first person that introduced me to the idea of being an end-of-life doula. And this was prior to my mom being sick. And I'd reached out to them because I was just curious about it. I think as an artist, as a person, I'm very curious by human nature. And that could be from the beginning to the end. I mean, just the full... The full uh, head to tail. I'm very curious about human behavior and interactions, so I was very curious of it to begin. And I'd reached out to the organization where I got trained. They weren't taking on any new doulas, so I started doing just a little bit of graphic design work for them, just volunteered work for them. And then my mom was diagnosed with cancer, and you know she was a trooper and battled and. Uh, hung in there for five years. And when she went into hospice, she did her hospice at home. There was a hospice worker there, and her name was Charlene, and she was incredible. There's a difference between a hospice worker and an end of life doula. Hospice workers do all the vitals and are there to really care for the person they're looking after. But she offered my mom something that a lot. I couldn't, and no one in my family could because my mom, she's Dominican. She was a very proud lady, and she didn't want anyone to know. She didn't want me, for example, when I would visit with her, and I visited her almost every day, she wouldn't want me to know something. She didn't want to scare me. She didn't want to, you know, they really wanted, she was a mom that wanted to take care of me. The hospice worker became someone that she could confide in and I knew this because I had a relationship with her and she would tell me that my mom you know would share fears and it was amazing that she had that memories that she just didn't maybe want to burden us with so I thought I want to do that I want to be that for somebody and just serendipitously they reached out to me the center saying and this was during COVID not this was right after my mom had died, I guess, six months after my mom had died, and we'd just gone to COVID, and they were going to do an online training. And I did it. And then after getting certified, things eased up in COVID, and I was able to start visiting with people. Mm, Wow. How was that? It's incredibly rewarding. I have an incredible relationship with one person I'm visiting. It's important. It's, you know, a lot of, people, you know, in our culture, we sort of disregard elderly, or we have a funny relationship with death, too. It's like the one thing we know that will happen. Right. That is one thing
1: we know for sure. Right? Jesus.
2: and We're like, I don't want to look at that. And I get it. I get it. I get it. I definitely understand. I'm afraid to, you know, it's a mystery. But visiting with people that are at this point in their life it's an important point in their life to be alone or to not have someone to connect with it's it's tragic to me if that person wants to connect with someone of course if someone doesn't If someone wants to be alone, they should be allowed to be alone. But I can see how rewarding it is when I visit with people, how it breaks up their day, how they can share and just hold space for them to reflect. I'm thrilled that I'm part of this group and I encourage others to look into it or check in on people, neighbors, family that you forget about. I have so many
1: questions. (laughs) What has being in this work taught you about gratitude for your own life and your own pain and your own struggles that you can feel?
2: You know, well, it's new. This is a new practice for me, but it's already made me feel grateful. Just grateful to be in the place where I am. You know, I'm one that has always looked back Tried to figure out what happened and look forward and try to figure out what's gonna happen and forget about the right now. And this work has definitely helped me settle and focus on what's right in front of me. Wow. I love that a lot.
1: Focusing on what's in front of us is not something we do often. And Earlier in the conversation, you said you would, you know, turn to alcohol or curl up and shut down. And Hmm. I think so many of us have been in a place where we have we feel like we have nowhere to go, you know, and Hmm. being with ourself in the present moment is terrifying, especially when suffering is on the surface and pain is at our door. And so what i love and admire about your work especially the work that i i see on instagram and in your book which i absolutely adore your first book how simplistic finding ease can be i was listening to a podcast recently it's called um the way out is in and it's a plum village podcast yeah i don't know if you've heard if you've heard about it it's just amazing and they were talking about tiknakhans just his depth in simplicity and how he was able to be so simple through his art calligraphy, through his language on Zen Buddhism and presence and mindfulness. And the reason why he's able to, to kind of speak in layman's terms is because he's gone through the depths of his life and has been in the depths of his life. And everyone's depths, of course, are different. And when I hear you speak about the loss of your mom and the transition of a marriage or ending of a marriage and how art and feelings have grounded you into yourself. It's so moving. And I'm curious what stands out to you the most about your work when it comes to holding space for yourself and also now holding space for others by way of, of illustration and, and words.
2: What stands out the most to me about my work? I think it's partially exactly what you just said is I've reduced what I put on a page. I mean, to the point of being almost very primal. I used to try to fill up everything, fill up all the space, and wow, <laughs> so mirror image to the way I live my life. And now I just try to get straight to the point. and you know when I, Think about these sentiments and these drawings that I share with everybody. I really just tap into what's happening with me or what's happening around me. And I just try to refine it, distill it to a place of just palatable. Yep. I love that. And
1: it's so funny because when I get in my head as a writer, I get in my head all the time because I want to say the right thing. I want it to impact people. I want it to make sense, you know, blah, blah, blah. And my husband, whenever I get in that flow, he's like, stop over-talking it. Just say what you have to say. And that always, like, it just checks me because we don't need to complicate anything. Yeah. We can just say what we have to freaking say. And I'm finding a lot more comfort in that. I'll be 33 in July and I am finding so much comfort and like ease is my word of the year. And it's like, where can I find ease? Where can I stop complicating things?
2: How can I just stop over talking it and get to the point? And this shows up all over. I mean, I know that we've been talking about really heavy topics right now, but I find this, you know, it's showing up in my relationships, my personal relationships, my friendships, for example, how do you keep things how are you a good friend which relationships that still serve you do you still serve them you know just trying to really get to the heart of the matter of what you're going to do in this life Mm -hmm. yeah how you're going to show up how you're going to participate in all aspects your work your love life your personal life your parent life all of them
1: So your new body oil is one of my favorite things. Thank you. (laughs) Happens to be one of my favorite things. Good. It's amazing. How did that come to be? I wasn't expecting that from you. And it's the most
2: delightful gift
1: that you've offered the world since your book came out. Like, I am here for it.
2: (laughs) Well, I think it'll make sense to you when I explain to you how it came to be. Basically, uh, I'm, as I said, a very visual person and the way i work i have my studio in my home and i live in brooklyn in a tree lined street and my way of getting inspired is walking outside and you know seeing the sunshine on some leaves or seeing people having breakfast with their friends and family or talking to the bodega guy and I come home and I have colors and thoughts in my mind and I feel very inspired to do work on whatever project I'm working on. Now, when the world unexpectedly shut down in 2020, I felt incredibly blocked, totally blocked. Like I couldn't draw a picture and it rattled me. And I thought to myself, what is happening? And I realized that my visual sense had been blocked. and So I started thinking if I get all this inspiration from seeing what would happen if I tapped into some of my other senses. And so I started with scent smell and I just started playing around with some essential oils. And it was fascinating to me because remember this was also a year after I'd lost my mom. I'm a, a single mom. I still am a single mom. And sometimes I had my daughter with me, but Sometimes I was alone and I just felt very anxious and isolated. So when I started tapping into the smell and I would smell something like a botanical, like maybe a lavender, my shoulders might drop. Or if I smell a floral, jasmine, for example, and I'm going through a heavy grief period, I'm not saying the grief would go away, but it might just uplift me a little bit and maybe give me an opportunity to shift my mindset a bit. So for me, when I really focused, the smell really helped. And then I thought, wow, this is fascinating. So then I thought, oh, well, what about touch? Let's think about touch. So I started blending it with um, base oils and then just the mere application of like putting your hands on your shoulders or on your arms. I mean, it's something that we don't necessarily, I mean, maybe you do actually.
1: We don't always lotion our bodies and oil our bodies with intention, myself included.
2: <laughs> with care, you know, and just think about ourselves in a kind way. And I it would just calm my nervous system. And it helped me get through that extremely stressful period, particularly in New York and Brooklyn, when it was like the epicenter back in March 2020. So, I kept on making these little blends and sharing them with friends. And I thought, this is something that I want to share with people. And, you know, I started saying to myself when I, I kind of make a little ritual out of putting, smelling the oil and putting it on and calming my nervous system. And I would say, you know, you're a OK. Um, and that kind of became like a little mantra. And so that's how the idea was born. And then, you know, I went back and I met with a woman in the East Village who was very experienced in um, aromatherapy and she taught me um, how to blend and I went back to and trained as an aromatherapist. Uh, My brother told me I love a certificate. I am just like you. Yes,
1: I want to be certified in that. Thanks. (laughs) <laughs>
2: he's like you would love us our certificate so but it was incredible because if you're going to make something it's important to understand what you're making and you can make it better uh if you have more knowledge and I'm not to say I'm like the end-all be-all uh aromatherapist but I know what I like I know what makes me feel good I understand the properties of it and I know how to blend so then I worked with some people out in California that uh, make carrier oils and they press them all themselves. It's all done ethically. I went out to Northern California and watched it all come together. And then, you know, the packaging, that's my love language, you know, (laughs) making something look nice. So that's the inspiration of it. But, you know, I really want AOK to be a new platform where I can offer things that make people feel good and let people do something small to direct themselves in a better way. So that's my hope for it. And I really enjoy it. It's been super fun. And it's it's getting out there. <laughs> it's
1: awesome. I love it. And the intention behind it, you know, just hearing you speak about touching your shoulders, your skin with care and holding space. Like, man, I'm a mom of three. I'm a wife. we got a lot of stuff going on over here. I'm a full-time working teacher, author, all these things. And it can be challenging to get back to the present moment, you know? And that's why I started walking back in September. Every single day, I have not missed a day. And that's been my recentering. (laughs) Thank you. And Something that I do before my walk is I sit down and I have my oils beside my bed and I massage my feet and I slowly put my socks on. And it doesn't happen every walk, but when it does happen, it makes my walk just a little bit better That to know that I've slowed down enough to care for myself and to love myself, which I don't think a lot of people are talking about these simple acts of self-love, right? The putting the oil on the skin, the washing of the face and blotting it, you know, gently after you're done, like not rushing through our
2: daily routines. Right. And it's hard. Make them rituals, creating these small rituals. You know, I I was just saying this morning, small steps move you forward. They still move you forward. Um, So I really you know, that's my reset is using, was using the oil and uh, creating that practice for myself, that ritual. So I'm happy that, that you uh, enjoyed it. So as
1: we bring our conversation to a close, I like to ask this question. If you were mentoring your younger self, what would you teach her, and what will you tell your 18 year old daughter when she gets to that age? I know she's young now, but what wisdom would you embark, impart rather, on her?
2: Well, I think they would be very similar. So I'll try to answer it in one because I think what I would say to myself and what I will tell Coco, and I'm already trying to tell Coco, was don't let fear take over. Mm. I struggled my entire life not starting because i was afraid of what might happen if something failed and after several failures i'm learning that you're still you're okay you know it's okay to fail that actually lessons come from failure so i wished that i could go back to myself and tell myself not to let fear take over and that on the other side of fear there's freedom mm. And uh, for Coco, you know, I just want her to be kind, just be a kind person. Remember that everyone is going through something and, you know, there's always room for more compassion.
1: Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC's own Kokai.